Amen. Let's open our Bibles to Genesis 37. 37, please. <clears throat> Genesis 37. We, we finished last time in uh, Genesis talking about Jacob in his last days. And as I said, we're following the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And, and uh, uh, Jacob, uh, after Jacob comes Joseph. We'll be looking at him today. But Jacob... Uh, very important to think about this man. He finished well. And it says there that he finished with faith and he, and he trusted in the Lord Almighty. He, it says that he blessed uh, and he passed on really the most important thing he had, which, which was his testimony about who God is and what God had done. And then it says that he worshiped. He had faith, he blessed others with his testimony, and he worshiped. And, and that was how he ended his life. What a beautiful, beautiful picture for you and I. Uh, I think we all want to finish well, yeah? We want to finish well. And it comes to that faith and blessing others and worship of Yahweh El Shaddai. Looking at Joseph, I think... Uh, we got a number of studies about Joseph. There's actually in the book of Genesis, there's, you know, there's a whole bunch of chapters that deal with Joseph. We're not going to look at every uh, aspect, every verse, every chapter, but overarching, I think the, the message that I keep getting overarching the whole uh, arc of Joseph is this. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. I want you to keep that in mind as we look at this guy because it doesn't always look that way. And it doesn't always look that way in your life, in my life. Like, how in the world could this ever be working out for good? But, uh, you know, you got to look at the whole story. And this, this takes place not in a matter of days or minutes. Like, we, you know, we're the instant society. You know, we want to drive through and get our food right now. But God doesn't, isn't on that same timetable. Uh, I don't think God invented McDonald's. I ate there a few weeks ago, and I was like, never mind. Anyways, we're looking at Joseph today. Joseph, he was a dreamer. He, was in, he ended up being sold by his brothers, his own brothers. He faces all kinds of suffering, but in the end, God uses it to accomplish his purposes, God's purposes. We don't understand that, especially being in the middle of it. But Joseph was an interesting guy. Uh, Boyce writes this. He says that, that Joseph, we're feeding back here. Joseph was loved and hated. Hello? Favored and abused, tempted and trusted, exalted and abased, yet he didn't seem to get his eyes off God or cease to trust him. Adversity did not harden his character. Prosperity did not ruin him. He was the same in private as in public, and he was a truly great man. Interesting. This is Joseph who we're looking at here today. So Genesis 37, we'll, 
We'll pick it up there. <clears throat> Verse 1 says, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. And this is the account of Jacob. But then he jumps right into Joseph. He says, Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. So we start off with this guy. He's only 17 years old. He's a young man. But, but there's something special about him. And, and he, he, uh, <clears throat> it says he was out there. He was tending flocks. And, and he brought his father this bad report about his brothers. Now, you know, you kind of wonder about this, and, and, and you have to look at the whole thing about how, jo, you know, Joseph, how he talked, and, you know, what his heart was like in all of this, and, and when you get to the very end of it, you kind of see the whole picture of his life. But Joseph, he, he brought this bad report. Now, we don't know what they were doing, but he went off to see how they were doing, and, and maybe they were just goofing off. That's, that's all we know. We don't know what they were doing out there, but he brought this bad report Back them. And so this is kind of how this, this uh, account in chapter 37 starts out. They were not happy about it, right? They felt probably like Joseph was dad's spy. As we used to say, he was a narc. Any of you ever heard that term? <laughs> my, my dad was a, a DEA agent a true narcotics officer in the DEA. And uh, my oldest brother was dealing drugs. And uh, he said to him, this has nothing to do with anything except interesting. He told him, he said, if I run into you, I will have to arrest you. I will have to. He wasn't going to show him any favors. Anyways, like I said, that doesn't have much to do with it. Verse 3, now Israel, here's where it starts to get more interesting. It says, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. This is that favoritism. We've already seen that, haven't we? The favoritism that we, we kind of do, and, and it's already happened in his family. He, he didn't learn anything about favoritism. His, you know, in his own family, it had already happened to him. He didn't learn anything from it. Someone said this, it had separated him from his mother because he was his mother's favorite. And then it would separate him from Joseph, his son. Jacob didn't learn his lesson. We, you know, why do we keep facing the same stuff over and over again? Why does that happen? I don't know, the thickness of our skulls, right? Anyways, he gave him this multicolored robe, and, and uh, it was kind of, this was the, it stood out. He didn't just make him his favorite, but he gave him this favored robe. And it kind of stood out, like, this is my favorite boy. David Guzik said that Jacob's, Jacob's fa- uh, Jacob was father over a troubled family. 
He had sons from four different mothers. And they were all living and working together. There was this rivalry. There was this competition. Yet Jacob had a clear favorite. He had the favorite one, Joseph. He was born in his old age, it says here. Look at verse 4. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they said, oh, that's cool. No, it doesn't say that, does it? It says they hated him and they could not speak a kind word to him. They couldn't even talk to this this younger brother of theirs. He's, you know, he's not the youngest, but he's the second to the youngest. Who was the youngest? Benjamin. Benjamin. But, But Joseph was also, let me just mention now, Joseph was also the son of his favorite wife, right? He had four wives, that's a problem in and of itself. But they had this envy, right? And they had this hate. But envy and hate can lead to what? Can lead to action. And that's what happened in their lives. We have to be very careful. These things, envy and hate in our own hearts can lead to actions which are not good and do bad things. Verse 5, Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. And he said to them, listen to this dream I had. While we... We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to rule to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. So he had this dream, and you know he, he couldn't control that, right? If God gave him a dream, you know he he can't control that. But he told it to his brothers, and they hated him more. The hatred just builds and builds and builds in this account. You, you you might say, well, I wonder, you know, if how he shared that dream had anything to do with it. Maybe he didn't have much tact about it. Hey, you brothers think you're pretty cool and everything, but, you know, I had a dream, and you're you're just going to be bound down to me before too long. If he said it like that, okay, but but you see, it it had already started before that, didn't it? I don't think it even mattered how he said it, because that envy and the hate was already there. Now, again, when we we read the Word of God, we we look at it, the the principles of, you know, biblical... Study is that we, we, we read it, we, we interpret it, but then we also apply it, right, to our lives. So if we have envy and hate in our hearts, we better watch out. We better watch out because it'll come out and it gets more and it feeds upon itself. That's what happens to these brothers here. Verse 9, he has another dream. And he told it to his brothers. You, you would have thought, listen, I didn't go so well the first time when I told him the first dream. Maybe I'll just keep this one to myself. But no, he says, listen, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. In other words, not just the 11 brothers, but, but also mom and dad, too. This is going to be, everybody's going to be bowing down to me. And when he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him. 
And he said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? Now, in actuality, his real mom had already died, right? But I think the picture here is that they're all going to be bowing down before him, all of them. Uh, Anthony actually referred to it in the book of Revelation. It refers to these verses here back in the book of Revelation about the nation of Israel. But anyways, he, he was rebuked by his dad, and that's kind of a hard thing. I remember the story when my dad rebuked me. He didn't, he didn't say, watch out, I'm going to arrest you or anything, But I because I was already a believer, and I wasn't doing that stuff anymore. But I was living at home, and I really wasn't working very hard. In fact, I don't think I was working at all. And uh, I still remember it to this day. He, he took me aside, He's, and, and yeah, it was at Christmas time, and I gave a little Christmas message. I said, can I give a little Christmas message? So I gave this little Christmas message, and after that, he took me aside and said, you know what, that's all good and well, but you know, you need to get off your rear end and get busy and do something. And uh, I just, I, wow, yeah, that was a rebuke. And I, but I took it to heart and I got, I got a job and I got an apartment and I, I did what I su- was supposed to do. Anyways, uh, his father had rebuked him here. In verse 11, it says his brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the matter in mind. His brothers were jealous. So they have envy, they have hatred, they have jealousy. But his father, his father rebukes him, but, but his father kind of treasures these things. He keeps the matter in his mind. It kind of reminds us of Mary, the mother of Jesus, doesn't it? When all these things were being said, and, and it says that, that Mary treasured up all these things, and, and she pondered them in her heart. She didn't understand them all. Even though, you know, his father rebuked him, but he, he still said, well, there, there might be something to all this. And, and I, think, I think that's a good lesson for us as well, that we hear these things, we read these scriptures, we, we, we get the message, and we got to treasure them up. We don't know how it's going to turn out, but, but hold on to it, because God might be using it in a future time, like he did here with Joseph. It was going to be a while. Verse 12, now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I am going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks and bring word back to me. And then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. And when Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, what are you looking for? So he sends them to his brothers. Now, we already read, he, you know, he'd been sent before to check on them and he didn't bring a good report back. But, but uh, you know, his father sends him out again anyways and, and he can't find them because they aren't where he thought they were supposed to be. And it says he's kind of wandering around out in the fields and it kind of fits with, with, with Joseph being a dreamer. You know, he's just kind of wandering around. Verse 16 he replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where, where they are gazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached 
them. They plotted to kill him. He finally finds his brothers. And when they see him coming, it says they plotted to kill him. Again, we've got envy. We've got jealousy. We've got hatred. And they said, you know what? It's not just going to be the way we feel anymore. Now I'm going to do something about it. But we better watch out. Just because we have feelings doesn't mean we need to do something. And, but, but they said, we're going to do it. They saw him in the distance. They, they plotted to kill him. Verse 19, here comes that dreamer. They said to each other, come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns, like a big pit where water would be. And say that a ferocious animal devoured him. And then we'll see what comes of his dreams. We'll see what that dreamer has to say about that. We'll, we'll get rid of him. We'll, we'll kill that dreamer. And then there'll be no more dreams. And nothing will come of that dream. Those two dreams that he had about us bound down him that night. We'll get rid of all that stuff. So in other words, we're going to take it into our hands. And we're just going to make sure that nothing happens. Something we also need to be careful of, you know, taking it in our own hands. I've done that so many times in my life. Well, let me, let me get in there and try to make something happen in this and do something and figure this out. And, and, then, and then it all just kind of blows up. Let's kill that dreamer. Verse 21, Reuben, when he heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life. He said, don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the desert, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben had said this to rescue him from them and to take him back to his father. So Reuben steps in like the older brother, and he said, you know, he wants to protect this younger brother. Let's not kill him. Kind of wonder about this guy, Reuben. What was he... What, what was his motivation in this? Now, he was jealous, too, and he had envy because all the brothers did. He hated him, too. He didn't really love. He wasn't doing it because he loved Joseph. And maybe he said, you know, let's bring him back to his father. Or, or that's what his plan was, to rescue him and then take him back to his father. And, and maybe he loved his father, but, but maybe it was his conscience bothering him. I got to do something. Or... We didn't read about this, but maybe he was trying to redeem himself because he, he, he did some pretty bad stuff. He, he was sleeping with one of his father's concubines. Maybe he's trying to redeem himself after this. and it, you know, he, he was going to bear the fruit of that for a long, long time. So verse 23, so when Joseph came to his brothers, and you thought the Old Testament was boring? I mean, this stuff is real. This is real life, right? This is, this is happening today. You, you watch any uh, reality show today, you're going to see all this stuff. So when Joseph came back to his brothers, or when he came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe that he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. Now, the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. They took, the first thing they do, what do they do? They take that robe. It was like the symbol of everything they were angry and, and hated him for and the jealousy uh, of. They took that robe. Later on in chapter 42, 
you know, they, they, they've taken this brother, they've thrown him into this dry cistern. Fortunately, there was no water in there. But later on in chapter 22, when, when they're trying to get food for everybody and they're starving, and Joseph is in this place of, of leadership, and they didn't know it was Joseph, but they said this. They said to one another, surely we are being punished because of our brother. This is years later. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded for his life, but we would not listen. And that's why this distress has come upon us. And Reuben replied, didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy, but you wouldn't listen. And now we must give an accounting for his blood. Years later, what they had done back then, it kind of still was haunting them. That, that thing that they had done to their brother, they, they never had made it right. But back into the situation here in verse 25, it says, as they sat down to eat their meal, what? They just threw their brother who was pleading for his life. They wouldn't listen. And now they said, let's have lunch. I mean, is this, uh, you know, callous? Is there, are there no feelings? Let's have lunch. They looked up and they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. And their camels were loaded with spices and balm and myrrh. And they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. And Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come and let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. They agreed what? What are we going to get if we just kill him? But here, if we sell him, at least we'll get some money out of the deal, right? His brothers agreed. They agreed on that. Except Reuben. Reuben appears to be not there at that particular time. Verse 28, so when the Midianite merchants came by his brothers, they pulled Joseph up out of the cistern. And they sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. They sold him for 20 shekels of silver. They thought it was all over. That's it. Dream done. Verse 29, Reuben returns to the cistern and he saw that Joseph wasn't there. He tore his clothes, a sign of grief. And he went back to his brothers and he said, the boy isn't there. Where can I turn now? The boy isn't there. Where can I turn? What am I going to do? Verse 31, then they got Joseph's robe. That's that robe again. And they slaughtered a goat and they dipped the robe in the blood. And they took the ornamented robe back to their father and they said, we found this. Examine it to see whether it is your son's robe. Can you believe that? It's that robe again, and they, they dip it in this blood, and, and what is it? It's deception. More deception. People who 
study these things. Uh, they, they point out that, that many years before Jacob had slain a goat, right, to deceive his own father, and now his own sons deceive him the same way. Jacob deceived his father. Jacob was deceived by his uncle. And now his own sons deceive him. Wow. And you thought your family was dysfunctional. Verse 33. We're almost done here. And Jacob recognized it. And he said, it is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes and he put on sackcloth and he mourned for his son many days. He saw that robe. He knew it was his son's. They knew it was too, of course, because they had done all this. But they said, well, you check it out, see if it is. But he puts on sackcloth this morning. He tears his own clothes. And, and what did he believe at that moment in time? He believed that Joseph was dead. And it hit him hard. But he didn't just believe he was dead right then. He believed he was dead for the next 22 years. He believed he was dead. And his own sons perpetuated that. His own sons let him believe that for 22 years. And they never would have, you know, have brought it up. You wonder, you know, the grief that he felt. You wonder if, if maybe he blamed himself for sending, you know, Joseph out alone to, to check on his brothers. Maybe, maybe he was full of, you know, guilt. When things were going bad later and, and uh, they didn't have any food to eat, uh, he says in chapter 42, he said, everything is against me. Jacob says, everything is against me. And he's, he's referring to the fact that it all had happened and that he'd lost Joseph and, and he was, you know, in, in danger of losing some of his other kids, but they needed to eat, they needed food. But Warren Wearsby points it out. He thought everything was against him, but in reality, everything was working for him. Everything was working for him. Verse 35, all his sons and his daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, in mourning will I go down to the grave to my son, so his father wept for him. I mean, they're trying to comfort him. They're the ones who brought it all. They made it all happen. They're trying to comfort him. You know, it... it it's, it's the way of sin, right? You, you know, we, we do one thing and then we have to do another thing and another thing on top of that. We sin and then we, then we have to cover it up and then we have to play some kind of, de, you know, deception game. They sold him. They covered it up. They deceived him and now they're trying to comfort him. Uh, you know, the truth is it, it, it was all going to come out someday, right? If you read ahead, and I challenge you to read ahead, maybe you've already read the rest of the story, but it's all going to come out. But this, this grief, I mean, some of you have, have lost loved ones, and the grief that he's feeling here, his father wept for him. He would, he would not be comforted. 
this favorite son. Verse 36, meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. Meanwhile, they're having this family drama back here, and Joseph, but Joseph's on the road with, you know, with this caravan of traders, and, and they say, you know, uh, their whole business was buying and selling, right? And so they're not going to keep Joseph, and they sold him to this guy, Potiphar. Joseph, the dreamer. You think Joseph was suffering through all of this? But again, Romans 8, 28, God works all things together for good. A Bible teacher, Larry Richards, said this. He said, Joseph suffered injustice after injustice, yet he persevered. And his faith was ultimately rewarded. Joseph realized that God had used each painful experience to accomplish good. God is truly capable of transforming the all things in our experience so that they work good. We're still in the middle of all this in chapter 37. You've got to really almost get to the very end, chapter 50, to kind of see and, and Joseph's heart and Joseph's understanding of it all. But it was difficult for him in the middle of all this. But, but, but you see in this family, you see the favoritism, you see the envy and the jealousy, the hatred. And the hurting of each other. These sons, they hurt his fa their father deeply, but you know they, they weren't going to say, well, Dad, we, we did it, and let's go try to find him or anything else like that. They let it go on, this deception, for 22 years. This family, the family of Israel, the family of Jacob, this drama, this deception, deceit. How could anything good happen out of this? Out of what they did to their brother. How could anything possibly good come out of that? Well, God is bigger than all that, isn't he? God is even bigger than the stupid things that you and I do. David Guzik, we'll finish with this quote from David Guzik. He said this, favoritism, he said this, uh, starting with God's word, to everyone is this, your messed up family, past, present, and future, does not mean that God has forsaken you or that some cloud has passed, has come over you that will never pass. God works in and through difficult and messed up families. That, that should give us all hope, really. God can, can still work, and God will work. And no matter how bad it's been, no matter how bad it might be now, even how what might happen in the future, God can still work, and God will work, even with our messed up. You know, I, I talk about my family, and it is, it is a messed up family. That's why I, I, I can relate to what uh, David Guzik's saying here. Uh, God can do amazing things despite in spite of. Why? Because of Romans 8, 28. All things, all things work together for good. It's not the end of the story, but, but there's a lot more to come in the life of uh, Joseph. But we'll see. We're going to look at chapter 39 next time where Joseph, you know, despite what had happened to him, he works 
hard. And God, it says God's hand was upon him. Even in his difficult circumstances, God's hand was upon him. And then he faces the, the, you know, this, this radical test of temptation. And how does he deal with that? We're going to look at that next time. But God uses it all, and God has a plan and a purpose. And he has a plan and a purpose for you too, for me too. Let's pray together, shall we? <clears throat> Our gracious Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that you are God and, and you are holy, you are perfect, you are righteous, you are true, and, and that you do and you can and you will work all things for the good to those that love you that are the called according to your purposes. We don't know how you can do that. And maybe there's stuff going on in our lives and we just can't, can't, even, can't even see how that could ever turn into something good. It's just not, it's just not possible in our, in our minds, in our thinking. But God, you have a, a bigger plan and your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Greater, great as the heavens are above the earth, so are your ways and your thoughts greater and higher than ours. And your word says that trust you with all our hearts and lean not on our own understanding. Acknowledge you in all our ways and you will direct our paths. You're going to work it out. Maybe just take a moment, whatever your situation is, just say, God, okay. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to, I'm going to look at Joseph's example and persevere. I'm just going to do what I need to do right now. Do the best I can with what I have. And Lord, let you work it all out. Joseph didn't lay down and die, and, and, and we're not going to lay down and die. We're not going to give up. Let it be a word of encouragement for every one of us. By faith. By faith we walk, not by sight. Father, I pray here too for any, I just want to give it an opportunity for any that don't know your son Jesus who you sent to be the savior of the world. Today, you can have hope. You can have the hope that comes through trusting him, through receiving him into your heart and life today. Just ask him. Just ask him to come in. Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we?